recorded in all four of the Gospels. Um, different Gospels sometimes they'll have miracles unique to themselves that are mentioned. Some of them are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but not in John. And some are in John that aren't in the others. But in this particular miracle, God wanted us to really get the message. And so it was mentioned in all four of the Gospels. And so we see at the time, Jesus went up into a mountain. They were in a desert. They went up to a mountain. And he went and sat with his disciples. So while at times the way Jesus taught, he would go to a mountain. They would go, go to some place away and just sit and teach. And I think we ought to do some of that where we just get away. Um, this spring we're going to plan a, a men and boys hike and um, go. And we'll do some teaching of life skills and, and then some messages from the Word of God as well. But um, it's also sometimes what our Bible camps are for. It's a time to get away. Sometimes in the mountains, sometimes it's somewhere else. But to get away from the things of the world and have a concentrated time where we spend with Jesus and have a good time um, as well. Which having to spend time with Jesus is um, a good time. Uh, we see a great multitude had followed him um, because they saw his miracles on the deceased. They saw the people that he healed. And, uh, and that he'd, he'd see people that were blind would be able to see. Those um, that were um, deaf would be able to hear again. Those with diseases, the diseases would be gone. And so they were intrigued on what this man named Jesus could do. And when we compare the, the other Gospels, we see um, the, a couple of the other Gospels say, a great, uh, um, say that Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. Is seeing sheep without a shepherd. That was the response Jesus had. But the response of the disciples was, when you compare the different gospels, was um, send them away. You know, send them away. We're here in a desert. Send them away to the village so they could go get food. That's what their attitude was. Jesus was, you know what, let's take care of them. Let's feed them. And he tells the disciples, no, you know what, you guys are going to feed them. And Jesus first asked by posing um, the question, um, he says, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Perhaps he's asking Philip, because Jesus knows Philip's from that, around that area. So maybe Philip would know someplace nearby, out, down the mountain, um, out of the desert, that um, he would perhaps know. Which Jesus said this to prove him. Not because Jesus didn't know what was going to happen. Not because he knew there wasn't much spread around. But to prove him, the Bible says. Um, this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And we see that um, Philip responds... And it says, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. That we have been divided it up with, with this money. Eight months worth of wages. That I mean, with eight months of wages, we would not have enough to feed them. And that's why, well, you know, disciples are like, you know what, let's get them to go away. After all, they were meant to go away to get some rest. 
And yet they have all these people following him. Matthew 14, verse 15, it says, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. So Jesus puts it back on the disciples. Andrew mentions a lad has five loaves and two small fishes. And there he goes, but what are they amongst so many? There's this boy. He has the sack lunch. Has the lunch. Small basket, whatever, bag, basket, whatever it was. A basket, it was. But we're just going to use the modern sack lunch version, okay? And so, see, this boy had his sack lunch. And the disciples are like, but what are they among so many people? That there's thousands of people. Go ahead and turn to 2 Kings. And we'll see a similar miracle, but on a much different scale. 2 Kings chapter 4. Second Kings chapter four in verse forty-two. It says, "And there came a man from Belshazzar and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley, and full ears of corn in a husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat.' And so here this man comes, brings to the man of God twenty loaves of bread." And his servitor said, What should I set this before an hundred men? And so this other man is like, There's a hundred people. Twenty loaves are not going to feed a hundred people. There's no way twenty pieces of bread will feed this hundred people. He said again, Give the people that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, They shall eat and shall leave thereof. That there would be leftovers. So he set it before them, and they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. That here we see through the word of God that God did a miracle that 20 loaves of bread and, and some wheat corn, that it was able to feed a hundred people. It's pretty amazing. 20 pieces of bread. You know, you just imagine if you had bread, okay? 20 slices or loaves, 20 small loaves. Barley bread, which was considered like a poor man's food. Uh, um, usually, the, the, the more desired was the wheat bread, but the barley bread they um, would give to the poor people um, to, try to feed them. But 20 loaves to feed amongst 100 people. Yet it happened in accordance to the word of God. And that, that in a sense, kind of gives the antitype of what would happen here with Jesus' ministry. That we see that Jesus told his disciples to get the men to sit down. Go sit on the green grass. You know, it's kind of like that kindergarten teacher on them. You know what, everybody, go sit. Sit on the grass. I'll give you a prize. Okay? He gets them in multiples of 50, companies 50, companies of 100. And this was a crowd of over 5,000 men. 
over 5,000 um, men. And with that, I didn't write the scripture down that I was looking for. Or yes, I did. Okay, in Matthew 14 and verse 21, this gives a little bit more to this account, more detail. And it says, And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. So this is a lot more than 5,000 people. There's the wives, there's the women, there's, there's the children. There could have been about 20,000 people. And all we have is a sack lunch. Sack lunch. This little boy has. Offers it up. And they're like, what is this a mini? He's like, what? How are you going to feed our church with this? Come on, you're the church. Five loaves and two, and the Bible says small fish. So this wasn't like some kind of giant fish that could feed multitudes. This was two small fish. And the boy offers up his sack lunch. Jesus gave thanks for the loaves distributed to the disciples, which then distributed to the crowd. And when the people were filled, Jesus said to gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Now let's not have any waste here. And what was one basket of five loaves of bread and two small fish came back 12 baskets. 12 baskets. After feeding everybody. Okay, this wasn't just dividing this meal up and go, okay, let's put a little bit in each basket. No, this was, they fed the multitudes. And it doesn't say, you know, sometimes you go to a fine dining restaurant. You know, we've maybe gone once or twice in our life. And you leave hungry afterwards. Go to McDonald's, Burger King. After again, you're fine dining, this little tiny piece of thing. And then just some kind of syrup around the plate. Okay, this wasn't the kind of meal that Jesus fed them. It says they were filled. They were no longer hungry. And 12 baskets come back. Perhaps it was for the, the disciples that they were going to go on, on the rest of their journey. And so Jesus provided for them on their journey. Who knows, maybe it was all given back to the boy. And he brought lots of food back home. When he just had a sack lunch, we don't know the rest of the story on that account. And so, but people recognize the truth that this was the prophet they had been waiting for. This was he who was come. And they wanted to make Jesus king. Uh, in, in verse um, 15, it says, Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him king. So he departed into a mountain himself alone. So he went back into a mountain to be alone. Um, comparing the scriptures, um, we see that he went to spend time in prayer after such a busy day. And he sent the disciples to go ahead and go away to cross the Sea of Galilee to go to the other side. And then we end up seeing that Jesus ends up appearing to them walking on the Sea of Galilee. Walking. And they, and they were frightened when you compared the accounts. They thought it was a ghost, some type of spirit. They were frightened. They're, they're in the midst of a storm. 
And this is also the account, John doesn't mention it, but this is the account when Peter was so I requested, grant me that I may walk on the water. And Peter walks on the water. And, and then we see that when he get, takes his eyes off Jesus, he sinks. And he says, help me. And Jesus brings him back up. Matthew is the only gospel that mentions Peter walking on the water. Why? I don't know. I have no idea. That's just what it is. It's possible that Mark, okay, Mark was kind of dictated um, by Peter. Um, looking at history, that's what it looks like. It's most likely that Peter dictated to John Mark what to write. Maybe um, Peter was like, you know what, Matthew already spoke about it. You know what, I don't need to write about that detail. Or maybe he felt shame for having a lack of faith, even though he was the only one that had the faith to get on in the first place. You know, sometimes people fault Peter, saying, oh, he didn't have faith. Well, you know what? Where was everyone else? Still in the boat. You know, when you're going to take leadership to do things, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You know, if, if you're a boss at your place of employment, you're going to make mistakes. But we want to fail forward, not fail backwards. Not fail in the sense where we get discouraged, but to be there, we learn from our mistakes and press on and move forward. And so really, Peter should be commended for having the faith to step on the water in the first place and to realize who can save him, which was Jesus. He says, save me, and Jesus brought him up. But there's no mention of this, and it's possible that John didn't mention it because um, he was written after the other Gospels were written, and so maybe John didn't write about it. Because Matthew already covered that. And, uh, and so we don't know the reason for sure. But we see Jesus walks on the sea, and he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. And then elsewhere that he told the storms, um, Be still, and the storms cease. And the water was smooth. And so John simply wants to show that Jesus is sovereign, that he is sovereign over his own creation. And so then they go to the other side, and then people are getting in their boats. They're looking for him. He just fed us, and they're looking for this Jesus. Again, they want to see him again. And Jesus knew their hearts that they weren't even amazed about the miracle in of itself. They weren't thinking, wow, look at how we fed about 20,000 people with a sack once. Now we see Jesus answered him in verse 26. Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. So this is all about you, you're hungry. You, you, you wanted the food. And we'll get back to this portion um, in a little bit. In Zechariah 4.10, when there were some instructions about rebuilding the temple, Solomon's temple um, had been destroyed, or, uh, or it wasn't as big as that temple. It was a smaller temple, but it was something the Lord ordered to be done. And in Zechariah 4.10, it says, For who hath despised the day of small things? Who have despised the day of small things? And it goes on. For they shall rejoice. 
that yes, there were people in the day, no doubt, would be talking, this temple isn't anything like Solomon's temple. Nothing like the temple that's going to come when Jesus rules and reigns. And you know, we talked about separation of church and state in Sunday school and how it's biblical, how it fits um, even with our, um, our founding documents, which means the state isn't to be ruined over the church, and the church isn't to be ruined the state. That does not mean we exclude God from the public sphere. Um, it doesn't mean that Christians shouldn't be in office. We all, we sh- people should be involved. But there is not to be a state church. But you know what? When Jesus comes and rules and reigns, It'll be more similar to kind of what was in Israel, but even more so where it was a theocracy, where God ruled over Israel in the religious and the moral, the civil. When Jesus steps down, he'll be ruined with a rod of iron that um, people will come and, bring, and worship him. People will be bringing their sacrifices to him. He will be king of kings, lord of lords. And so there will be a state church then when Jesus is ruling there, but not telling. But we see here, who have despised the day of small things. You know, people will be like, you know what, this is smaller than what the temple used to be. What good, what use is this? This is but small. But God was in it. God was in it. And just like with that sack lunch, that was a small lunch. Small lunch. But God was in it. Jesus was in it. Don't despise the day of small things because God can be in it. Mark 6.52 says of the apostles, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. That when they were on the boat, they were going aside, and then Jesus appears to them. They had not even been contemplating. Wow. Did you see what Jesus did? They cared not for it. They didn't want to be there in the first place. Jesus was moved with compassion. They were not, except this little boy. But disciples, their heart was so hardened, they did not really even take in, recognize the awe, the amazement of Jesus taking a sack lunch and feeding thousands of people. Despise not the day of small things when God is in it. When God is in it. Some people today get so hardened and distracted in life that they miss the everyday blessings God gives them. They miss the miracles that God brings in their life. They don't think of it. They they, they despise the day of small things and not realizing how God gave provision. Jesus takes the small things and turns them into great works. With the sack lunch the boy had, we learn from this that Jesus can use a very small thing if it is committed unto him. What have you committed unto the Lord? Your talents, your offerings, yourself. You know, some people feel as they're too old to be used by God. 
Like, you know, I'm too old to really get involved in serving God now. You know what? Sometimes with age and health, there may be some limitations on what you're doing. Okay, we don't expect James or Berglund Miller and Walker to be going out, door knocking, house to house in the rain. Okay, okay you know, there may be sometimes some limitations that are put on us by age and health. But don't despise the small ways that God could use you in your older age. You know, one thing the Bible teaches for the elder woman to teach the younger woman. You know, sometimes in the church, the older people hang out with the older people. The young people hang out with the younger people. Now, we're to be one body. You know, older woman, you know what? Invest in the younger woman. You know, invite them out. Pick them out for coffee, tea, or um, just go hang out. You know what? Maybe some women want, are looking for, um, they, they want to know how to train their children. You know, you may look at them and go, oh, you know what? Everyone has it all together. When you never know, there may be a mom, she's craving. Maybe she did not have a godly mother. Maybe she didn't have an example of um, spending time with their children, with, with training them. Uh, and, and men likewise, and teaching the, the other younger men to train their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Perhaps they didn't have that training. And yes, you don't want to come across and come across, well, you know, you're doing it all wrong. Here's how I do it. But no, but be there for them. Take initiative. Teach them. You know, I feel convicted. I need to spend some more time with Brother Bramwell, even though he cannot come here all the time. I should be at his house more. You know what? Getting wisdom, getting advice, getting more counsel, and appreciate the counsel he's given me at different times. But you know, as younger men, younger women, we need to go to the older people. You know what? Ask them to teach us. Ask them to give us advice. Ask them to give us tips. Elderly people, don't despise the small way you may be able to serve because Jesus can multiply that greatly. That you think is such a small influence, but Jesus could use it greatly. Some will feel as if their life is too damaged and tainted by past sin to be used of God. Be like, I've had too much sin in my life. just read about a woman that was involved in the pornographic ministry, doing films, all kinds of things. And she got saved. And now she's serving the Lord, marrying a pastor, tries to help women that have been in those situations or are in those situations. You know, someone in that kind of condition, situation, that has had that kind of sinful lifestyle... You know, this could be you. I'm not saying you haven't done that, but whatever sin it may be that's been in your life, you could come and feeling like, I can't be used. I've sinned too much. My life is filled with filth, dirt. Other people, they rose up in a Christian home, love God, serve God with their, all their heart. Me, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. Which the Bible says we all are. We all fall short of the glory of God. And we see um, the woman that came 
to um, wash Jesus' feet. And filled with sins, her sins were many. Much sin. And in the Pharisees, the people asked the question, if this man be the Son of God, he would know what manner of woman this is. He would know she's a sinner. He would know how filthy she is. Jesus' response was, To whom little is forgiven, love of little. To whom much is forgiven, love of much. That this woman didn't have much, had a sinful lifestyle in her past. Jesus points out what she did for him, brings up the other men. You know what? You didn't do anything. You didn't offer a drink of water. You You didn't offer to wash my feet. But this woman whose sins were many, her sins are forgiven her. And she loves much. And so don't think that you have so much sin in your past that you cannot serve Jesus today. No, you should look at, yes, wow, I've sinned big. But I have a God who washed me of my sin. That cleanses me. And that, oh, how I want to help others that are sinners. Help others that are in sin. That have sin that has dominion over them. And show them Jesus who could save them. You know, just reformation in their lifestyle, change of habits will not bring lasting change. But Jesus, Jesus could take that small, dirty sinner and use them in great ways. Jesus can multiply the use they could have in people's lives. Sometimes some people feel their lives have been destroyed by others. That they're a broken vessel that the Lord cannot use. Perhaps it's been sexually abused, emotionally, verbally abused. Perhaps they grew up in a home where drugs were common, drugs were offered to the children. They're like, man, you know what? My life has been wasted. You know what? I'm no good. I'm nobody. I'm all the verbal abuse over life. But no. Jesus is the master at fixing broken vessels. And we know the Bible says it's a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. Don't think of, you know what, wrong has been done to you. But don't think Jesus can't use you. Jesus could use you in great and mighty ways. You just got to be like that boy that gives his sack once to Jesus. To be that go, you know what, I feel like I'm a broken, I'm a despised vessel. Jesus, you fix me. You put me together. Jesus, I'm here. Use me as you see fit. And Jesus will do miracles with your life. But you must commit it to Him. You must yield your life to Him. The only thing you have to offer is a broken heart. Offer a broken heart. When the little boy had offered his five loaves loaves and two small fishes, the people were like, But what are they among so many? The reality is that none of us have much to offer Christ. Our reaction is, what good have I? The point is, we use the little that we have. The life that we have. 
whether we're old, whether we're young, whether we've been despised, verbally abused in our life. You know what? We give ourselves to Jesus. It's amazing what Jesus can do with the faith the size of a mustard seed. What Jesus says, with the faith the size of a mustard seed, a grain of a mustard seed, which is one of the smallest seeds, they can move mountains. Don't despise the day of small things. You know, we may be a small country church. Napa Vine, town of about 1,900 people. Most people don't even drive through here. They kind of sometimes they'll drive around or they're already over there. But don't despise a church of small things. There's no telling what Jesus could use this small church to do. How Jesus could use it to grow it. Or Jesus could keep it this small if he seems fit. We're to be faithful to Jesus. But we're to give him our sack lunch. Go, Jesus, we may not be much. We may not have every program out there. We may not have every ministry. We may not have a specific, here's the senior class, uh, or the senior saints class. Here's the youth ministry. Here's the kids. We may not have everything every week. But don't despise the day of small things. You know, like Jesus started his church with 12 people. 12 people. That's small. That's a small group of people. And yet he used those 12 people. Oh, 11 of them. Well, he used the 12th one for his purpose too. But he used those people to turn the world upside down. And you know what? God could use this church. But we need to be committed. We need to commit our sack lunch to him. We're like, oh, you know what? We just don't want to be a part. Well, Jesus isn't going to multiply that. You haven't given it to Jesus yet. Jesus could do amazing things. Once again, a child reminds us to have faith. A child reminds us to offer ourselves to God. A child reminds us to share. A child helps us grow into an understanding of how letting go of things can bring a multitude of blessings. No wonder Jesus said, a separate one come is a child. The faith is a child. They're not going to believe. You know, it's somewhere behind the story of when Jesus fed the 5,000 men and the woman and children, there's likely a mom who packed a simple lunch for her son. A mom. Maybe it was dad. Maybe it was somebody else. Just real strange. Perhaps it was the mom. And moms, don't thank your work. No matter how tired, no matter how you feel like you're not accomplishing anything, though it seems like you take one step forward and you take two or three steps backwards and the cycle goes on and on. You know what? This mom or whoever it was prepared a small basket of food for her son. And you see what it did. That it got to be used in one of the miracles of Jesus Christ, of feeding thousands of people. You may be surprised with what Jesus does with you, giving yourself to your children, to your family. 
Don't think anything else is worth more. Don't think that your career is more valuable for your children, for someone else to raise your children. But you be there. You be there for them. To see them train. To see them grow in the Lord. And you know, as they grow and they serve God, you'll have no regrets. You will not regret that while my children are walking in the ways of the Lord, while they're doing mighty things for the Lord, whether it's working a secular job, whether it's being in full-time ministry, which in a sense, you know, we're all to be in full-time ministry, but I understand how well people destinate it. I understand all that, but we're all to be full-time Christians. But there will be no regret if you as a father, mother, raise your children and you see them walk in truth. John says, I have no greater joy than you hear that my children walk in truth. No greater joy. You know what? Ten years from now, twenty years from now, you put your business, father or mother, ahead of your family. Yes, I know we God work, we God provide for our family and such. But there comes a point where you put your all in that and you neglect your family. And then say you have more money 10 years, 20 years from now. I don't think you'll be looking back on your life and go, woo, I did it. I did a great thing when your children are no longer serving the Lord. Your children despise you as parents because they never got to know you as their mom and dad growing up. I don't think you'll be rejoicing then. We don't rejoice when our children walk in darkness. So spend time where it matters. Invest in your children. Don't despise the day of small things. Don't think, oh, they're just little now. I'll give them more time maybe when they get a little bit older. No, we already could end up being too late. Now, never try to think it's too late. You know, wherever you're at, try to restore the pieces where it's at. Okay, you know, as the wife just said, uh, or, um, or the, the my, Malachi said that Elijah would come and we see in the form of John the Baptist that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children's hearts to the fathers. But notice it started first with the fathers turning their heart to their children. Don't neglect your children. You won't rejoice when you're rich, but your children aren't there. Develop relationship with your family. Somewhere behind this door, a mother or somebody that prepared a lunch for this boy. And Jesus used it in a mighty way. So we'd be like, we're afraid. You know what? How are we going to provide? You know what? I have to do this. Yes, you know, the Bible does say, if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. Yes, we need to work, we need to provide, but we also need to trust God in the process. Here we see Jesus fed the 5,000. You think God could feed your family of four, five, six, seven, two, whatever it is? If He could feed over 20,000 approximate people, He could provide for our family. He can provide for your family. Don't despise the day of small things. As Jesus said to the um, disciples, He said, Be not afraid, it is I. Or it is I, be not afraid. 
You see the miracle of the bread and of Jesus walking on the water. One is feeding of the multitudes, the one the power over the storm. You see that Jesus brings provision and he brings protection. The Lord truly is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will fear no evil. If we trust him, we will always have sufficiency and security no matter what our situation may be. But the important thing is that we trust Him. Don't be like the disciples whose hearts were hardened, that they missed a miracle right before their eyes. John 6, 26 says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, Jesus, you came all the way. You came looking for me. You came across the sea just to get food. He says, don't do all that labor simply for this physical food. But for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Which is not by works, here we see. Because which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him have God the Father sealed. That Jesus would give it unto them. That Jesus would give them eternal life to those that would come to Him. That this miracle of Jesus feeding bread to the multitudes, which had gluten, by the way, okay? So don't think gluten-free is the way to go. You know what? You need your gluten, amen? Get some good hearty bread. Which actually, barley bread was one of the lowest in gluten. So I guess there is a little bit of that. So low gluten at least. But we see... Now, with the bread, uh, or this was setting the stage, and we'll probably talk about it next week, to reveal himself as the bread of life. That he is the true bread. That he is the spiritual bread. That by him, people have eternal life. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? They're like, okay, you're saying to labor for this? Okay, what must we do? What is the work? What is the one work? Or how many works? Whatever many works. What work must we do that we can do the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he have sent. And that's the only works if you're going to call it a work. And that is the work of God in your life. And that is simply to believe on Him. On Jesus, whom He has sent. Jesus is the true bread of life. Don't despise the Son of God. And He was no small thing. Okay? But he was despised by people. He was considered a small thing, despised by many, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, crucified on the cross, and yet died, rose again. Don't despise the day of small things. We see what Jesus did is that seed that dies, gets buried, and grows again. That Jesus died for our salvation. Don't despise salvation. Don't neglect. How shall we escape 
if we neglect so great salvation. Adelia, if you go ahead and come please play the piano for the invitation. <clears throat> you don't know Jesus is your Savior. Come, come talk with me, talk with my wife, and we will show you from the Word of God how you can have eternal life. You're saved, born again, you know Jesus. Don't despise the day of small things. Mutters don't think, you know what, you're just a failure. You know, if anything, we all mess up. Fell forward, not backwards. Get back up. Keep trying. Keep persevering. You may be the mother to the boy that gives the sack lunch to her boy. Feel like you don't have much to offer. But you give your children the word of God. And it makes a difference in their life. Perhaps you give the word of God to a friend. That they know you're a Christian, but you have not really openly engaged the gospel with them yet. It's not going to multiply. The seed's not going to grow if it's not given. Give the gospel seed. Give that sack lunch, the word of God. And let God do the working there once you've done your part of giving the gospel. Don't despise being a witness. Despise mean take it of low esteem. Don't think your life can't be used of God. You know, we're just going to open the floor, time of prayer, spend time in prayer. So piano continues to play. Ask God to use you. You may say, I don't have much, but God, please use the small that I have. Multiply it. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you help us not to despise sack lunches in this spiritual sense, Lord. That, Lord, what we do have, whether it be a broken vessel or a life that was lived for the world in the past, may we use the life that we have left and commit it to you, Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that you will multiply it. That you will use that in our life. That you'll use us to reach people with the gospel. That you'll use us as a small church, Lord, to grow as you see fit. You know, we do generally see, you know, that healthy things grow. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you help us to be a healthy church. Help us to be healthy. Help us to grow. Help us not to despise our smallness, though. Help us, Lord, to be grateful. Help us not to be so distracted that we miss the miracles that are happening. That we miss seeing the new believers that are growing in their faith. 
that we're seeing restoration in relationships. That we can see revival in our midst if we simply give you our sack lunch. May we give ourselves to you, Lord. You've given yourself for us. In Jesus' name, amen.